Micah chapter 5, a hard one to find sometimes. But if you could turn, if you could get ready for this, we're going to talk about the doctrine of Christ. Basically, tonight we're going to talk about the person of Christ. And when I say that, I'm not taking anything away from him. He was a person and he was a God. We're going to talk about that. Um, it's interesting when you study him exactly what it is, what, who he is and what he's done. You know, we, you hold in your Bible, a Bible has 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. There's, I think, 1,189 chapters in the Bible. And none of them contradict each other. In fact, if you were to look and see how they mingle with each other, it's amazing that there's no errors. But God did it. Man wrote it through God's inspiration, but God did not allow any errors in it. I don't know if you've ever seen a movie and you see bloopers in a movie or you see something that just doesn't make sense. You say, how in the world could this happen? They probably couldn't do what they do in a movie. But if you look at the scriptures and you look at all these different chapters and all these different verses, they intermingle with each other, the Old Testament with the New Testament, and then the, you, you look at the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the stories of Christ, and they don't contradict each other. And so when we study Christ, it's very important. And we're not just, when we study Christ, we're not just going from the New Testament point of view. There's a lot of things about Him in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at that. So the first one, the first blank that you need to fill in is the doctrine of Christ. It's called the person of Christ. So you put that in there. If you've got your pens, start writing these things down. And as we look at these, I want you to understand what they mean. The first one means, is, is the statement is the preexistence of Jesus Christ. The preexistence of Jesus Christ. Here's what you've got to understand. A lot of people will tell you that Jesus had a beginning because they look at the nativity. But he didn't have a beginning. That's very important for us to realize. Christ did not have a beginning. He didn't have an origin. He was just always there. As the Bible says, the I am. That's important to realize because if you don't believe that, then you don't believe in the Trinity. You're only going to believe in two, and, and you're going to say those were, those were forever in the past, and we know they're forever in the future. But the Trinity tells us that they're all three God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were always existing. That's important for a believer. If you don't understand this and you, don't, and you look at these verses and go, I just don't see that. It shows you exactly in the Old Testament and New Testament that He preexisted. He was always there. That means He was there when Moses was there. He was there when Noah was there. It wasn't just the New Testament. So here when we look at these, I want to I point out some of these things for you, and I want you to read these as we go. The preexistence of Jesus Christ, He had no origin. He always was. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. This is an Old Testament prophet saying where Christ was from. Now, did you notice the two words that were highlighted at the very end? From everlasting. You say, why is that important? Let's just go to the King James, and I want to point out something to you. The King James is perfect. If you take the NIV and you look at that verse, you know what words it changes it to? It changes it to this, from ancient times. 
Now there's a big difference from everlasting to ancient times. Because if you were to ask a teenager what ancient times are, it would be us. But as you look at this, the, 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 the King James, from everlasting, in other words, from time past, he was there. Micah tells us that. And then in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, you want to fill that in, and God said, let us make man in, what's the next word? Our image. He didn't say my image. He said our image, referring that there were more in it. It says, like our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. You know, we look at these and we say, oh, this is all about the animals. No, I think it's more about who, who, the, who the creator was when it says the word our. See, in this, he, he, he participated in creation. Jesus participated in creation. And that's very important for us to understand that. It says that, he, that let us make man in our image. We are created in, in God's image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit indwells us. That's why, why Jesus died for us. That's why God, the, the, the God being is all about us. He does so many things wonderful for us. And it says, after our likeness. We're going to know Christ when we get to heaven. No one's going to have to tell us, oh, that's Christ. We're going to know him. He's going to meet us. He's going to see us. And we've got to realize that from day, from not even day one, before day one, before creation, he, he was there. And then there's another verse, and I think this is interesting. Um, it says in Colossians, this is in the New Testament, it says Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him were all things created that are in the heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He participated in creation. I love those verses as we break them down. Let's look at them one more time. It says in Colossians 1, it says, For by him were all things created. We already know from previous verse, John, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, By our image. It's talking about all three. And then it says that are in heaven. Now, if you could tell me anything that's on this list that, that, that you know of, it, they're all on this list. It says that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. It says whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by Him. He is the Creator. God is our Creator. The Trinity are, is our Creator, including Jesus Christ Himself. And it says, and I like these three little words, because sometimes, you know, could you take it out? It really means a lot. That's why it's in there. And it says, and for him. You were created for him. You were not only created by him, you were created for him. Why is that important? Because you have a will of your own, but God has a will for you too. You've got to follow that will. It's just as simple as that. It says, and he is before all things. That means before you were created, he was there. Before the world was created, he was there. He was before all these things. And it says, and, all, and by him, all things consist. I like that part. By, and by him, all things consist. He's the one that holds it together. He's the one that holds your life together. 
He's the one that, that points you in the right direction. He's the one you need. And by Him all things consist. He is our glue. He holds us together. And then it says in John chapter 17, verses 4 and 5. It says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast gavest me to do. Now who's this speaking? It's Jesus. It says, Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with, thy, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. This is the most prominent verse when it talks about his, his past. Let's read it one more time. He says, I have glorified thee on the earth. Did he do that when he was on the earth? Absolutely did. Then he says, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. And I think this is also showing that we can still surrender, and he surrendered to the will of his Father. Remember when he was in Gethsemane, he said, listen, not, it's not really my will, but thy, thy will. Because he was man as, as, he, as, he much, as he was God. And so he knew the pain that he would suffer. He knew what those thorns would feel like before they even hit him. He knew what the scourging was going to be like. He knew what the crucifixion was going to be like. It says, I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Isn't it great to know that Jesus always was? It says it in the New Testament. Now, the next one is the one where a lot of people get confused. And we're going to go through these. We're going to go through them slowly. It says, the Old Testament appearances of Christ. There were numerous appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. Numerous. We're going to look at some of them. I've, gave, I've given you some to look at also. But <clears throat> Christophanes is that word that you'll, see, you'll hear every so often. This means the Old Testament appearances of Christ. He shows up in the Old Testament numerous times. Theophany is an appearance of God. And we, the one everybody knows is found in Daniel. Daniel chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar throws them in, and as, as we read this in just a second, remember he said, how many did we put in there? And he says, but I see four. I see four. Isn't it great to know God goes through the fire with you? Jesus himself goes through the fire with you. In Daniel chapter 3, it says this. It says, in the fiery furnace, then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, it said, and that rose up in haste and spake and said with, with, unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And, and, and they're going to respond with what they want, with, with the way it needs to be answered, because Nebuchadnezzar is irate right now, because these three men didn't bow down to his, his God that he made. And then it says, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. It says, They have no hurt. This had never happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He knew how to torture somebody. And he throws them in the fire. He said, well, the fire wasn't hot. Tell his mighty men that went down there with him. Because it said when the, when the door was open to that furnace, guess what it did? It engulfed those men and killed them. He lost some good men that day. But then he somehow, I don't know how the thing was built, but he could look in it and see that there were th four guys in there and they weren't hurt. I wonder when they came out if he was waiting for that fourth guy to come out. But he was in the fire with him, and when they got out of the fire, he didn't come out with the fire. He stays in the fire for you. He's going to fight battles for you. 
And those three men, they came out, and, and I, it's an amazing story when you, when you hear it. They didn't even smell like smoke. They went through a fire. If you've ever been around a campfire, you can't get that smell out of your clothes until you wash it. And here they came in, and they were not hurt. This is an appearance of Christ. It's a Christophanes. And it says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Now, this is the Old Testament. It says this, for unto, you, for unto us as a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There's many different aspects that, that here they're foretelling that Jesus is going to be there. And, and Genesis chapter 16, I want to give you these, and we're going to look at some of these. Genesis chapter 16, verses 7 through 13. Another, another um, verse in there, the second one is Genesis chapter 22, verses 11 through 15. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. And Numbers 22, verses 22 through 35. Let's go for the first, we're going to go for the first three, and I want you to see these. Genesis chapter 16. You could turn to Genesis chapter 16 in your Bible. You're going to see Christ in the Old Testament and it's just wonderful to know that he, he is who he says he is. Genesis chapter 16 and verse number 7. It says in this, it says, And the angel of the Lord found her by the fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And, he, and she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself unto her hand. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Let's go to the next one. It says in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 is another time that Christ comes to the earth. And in verse number 11, and you'll notice what, what, what the terminology is, and we'll get to some of the terminologies that they call him. It says, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon thy lad, Neither do thou any thing unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, and behold, there became a ram, ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, is the, in, the mount of the, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. You know, isn't it interesting when you, when you study when Christ comes, he's always helping people in these two stories. Hagar was discouraged and she wanted to die. He says, listen, it's going to be okay. In this story, this is probably Abraham's biggest sacrifice he'll ever make. And the angel of the Lord comes down. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. And you'll see it one more time, and then I'll kind of give you some of the other words. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Let me give you some words that um, are Christophanies in the Old Testament. Letter A, whenever you see in certain, certain tenses, the angel. Sometimes that's referring to Jesus himself. The letter B, the angel of Jehovah. Letter C, the angel of the covenant. 
You'll see that sometimes in the Old Testament. And the last one, the messenger of the covenant. These are all Christophanies. These are when Christ came down and showed himself to people. The angel of the Lord is found 68 times in the Bible. He did this many times. Why is this? To show you that he always was. He always was. Starts in Genesis and goes all the way through. It was interesting when we were there last night, I heard Ken Ham say this. He said, all the doctrines in the Bible can be found in the book of Genesis. Isn't that interesting? And then it builds on that foundation. And what I like about Genesis is Genesis is one of the easiest books to read in the Bible. But we sometimes read these and we don't understand the foundation of this, but Jesus always was. It shows him in the New Testament, of course. It shows him in the Old Testament. Um, let's go to Micah on your notes next. It says in Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. We've already read this. Um, I think we have. Yes, at the very beginning. It says, look at the very end. It says, um, whose goings forth have been from, from of old, from everlasting. The next one says in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Christ arrived on the earth just as the prophets had foretold. Here Micah says he's going to come, and he comes. Isaiah talks about him, and he comes. Everything. That's why, I, as a Christian, I have a hard time when the Jewish people say, I don't, I don't know if I, I trust this Jesus that came down. Just because he didn't come down the way that they wanted, he came down the way the Bible said. It never said that he was going to be crowned. It said he was going to be, he was going to be beaten. You say he's going to be falsely accused in the Old Testament. Here, you have Christ all the way through this Bible. You have Christ all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. The center focal point of this book is Christ. And you know what? The, uh, another center focal point is he must increase, I must decrease. That's why Paul always would say, I die daily. Because we like to make ourselves up and God down. We like to put God in a box. We like to say, oh, Jesus, Jesus started at the nativity. No, he started way before that. He started in Genesis. And he, started, he didn't really start. He was always there. And we see his writing all the way through it. Even in the creation, our image. There's no reason why God would write that if it was just him. It was our image. It was all three of them. They always were there. And that's very important for us to understand. Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It shows Him in the Old Testament. The pre-existence of Jesus Christ in the, in the um, formation of the world. It shows Him in the appearances that He did. And let's look at the third one and final. It says the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is very important. Next week we're going to talk about the virgin birth and, and another aspect of Him. But... When you, when you look at it, this means that the Son of God became, does anybody know what that word would be? Flesh. He became flesh. He became flesh. Why is that important? Because He was man. But that doesn't take anything away from Him being God. See, Adam was called what? The first man. Jesus was the first man God. And a lot of people have tried to reproduce Him. How many people have, have said that they're God themselves? A lot of people. That's where we get these false religions. I was reading this just, I don't know if it was an anniversary of it, but Jim Jones. 
When you read what he did, you just, you just wonder how anybody would follow a man like that. But people followed him everywhere. The people down in, the guy down in Waco. You know, if you were in Waco, you better be thankful for um, Chip and Joanna Gaines because before that, all I thought of was what? I didn't think of them. We've got, we've got issues where people want to say they're God. Can you imagine saying that to your husband or wife or your family saying, you know what, I think I'm God. I know I'm not. I fall short all the time of just trying to serve this God. Bernard, when I, when I think of just am, amazingly saying that I am God, that is ridiculous to say. We're flesh. And the Bible says that he, he, is, he made himself of flesh. Let's look at these verses. We all know these. Well, let's turn to these real quick. John chapter 1. If you highlight anything in your Bible, this is a good, verse, good verses to look at, especially when it comes to who Jesus is. In, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, and if you don't believe he created this, you don't understand these verses. It says in this, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. This is referring to Jesus. And without Him was not anything made that was made. That kind of sums it all up. That shows you that He was the Creator. And you, you've got to understand the perspective of this. John is writing this because he loves the Lord. He's the Beloved. He's the one that, that, that shares his hugs and, he, and he, he's at his breast and he's, he's sitting there. He cares for Jesus so much. And he says, from the beginning, He was God. Says, and, and, and it says in verse number 14, it says, John chapter 1, verses 1 and 3, and, and verse number 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. John understood that. Now it would take him the crucifixion and all of this to understand truly the power of who Jesus was. But he saw him also as a man. He says, the flesh that dwelt among us, it says, and we beheld His glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus showed His grace. He showed His truth. Have you ever lied about anything? How many of you in here have ever lied? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch every, until I see every hand up. Can I tell you, you could never be God because if you've lied. Man, I, I, if you want to know if I've lied, ask my wife. Amen? If you want to know if you've lied, ask your spouse. If you want to know if you lie, just ask people around you. We all have lied. Jesus never lied. He was full of grace and truth. You don't get that much anymore. The court system is filled with innocent people. Right? They would have you believe that. I mean, they've got video of some people, and they're innocent. That must have been someone that looks like me. Oh, really? They have your same fingerprints? Absolutely. Have your same build and stature. They have everything. They have your DNA. Absolutely. I must have a twin out there. I didn't know. My mom never told me that. Because you know what? We're always innocent. Here, he just tells the truth. And, and I love the one, one story people say, well, why did they put that in the Bible? is when he gets upset. Because anger is an emotion, it can be controlled and still not sin. He was tested just like us. 
And He loved you so much that He took all the pain and all the false accusations and He took it in flesh. And John writes that in this flesh, He says, And the Word was made flesh, referring back to verses 1 through 3, and dwelt among us. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have met Jesus when He was on this earth? It would have. We can have him in our heart. Christ became flesh without diminishing his divine nature. Let me read that one more time. Christ became flesh without diminishing his own his divine nature. God calls Adam the first man. He calls Christ the first man God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Here he's talking about, with this, why did He come? To accomplish salvation. He said, the sacrifices, you have to keep doing them. I don't know about you, but I'm a person that likes animals, and I could never sacrifice my animals. I couldn't do it. You know, I would never raise an animal that I had to eat. I was telling, I think I was telling Wayne that the other day. If I had to eat it, I couldn't do it. My former preacher, he was, when I, when I first got into ministry, he was telling a story and he raised some chickens. And his, his dad said, you need to take care of these chickens. And he wasn't taking care of them. So he came to eat one Sunday and he was eating the chicken. He said, man, these chickens are scrawny. Where'd you get these from? He said, if you'd have fed them right, they'd have been be- they would have been better. He never ate any more of his chick, of that chicken that day. I couldn't do it. I couldn't imagine every year bringing a sacrificial lamb. A lamb. What'd that lamb ever do to you? I mean, you don't look at a lamb and go, I'd like to shoot that. It was, it was a sacrificial lamb. And he says in this verse, he says, listen, the sacrifices won't do anymore. We needed the best sacrifice, the only sacrifice that would sacrifice for your salvation. And that was Jesus Himself. Amen. He became the propitiation for our sins. He became the, the, the master for us. He did all these things for us. And here we're talking about Him coming down His flesh. Go to first John, or look at 1 John chapter 4. Your last blank. 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the, in, the, in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Isn't it interesting? Even when Jesus died, do you remember what the scribes and Pharisees and the chief priests, they went to, they went to the leaders and said, listen, they're going to steal his body, and then they're going to say he's risen again. The devil always has a counterfeit to what Jesus did. We see it all the time. I'll give you an example. When I see a rainbow now, what do you think? We hardly ever think that it's the covenant between man and God. Because what has happened? Satan counterfeited it. Same way with music. There's good music, there's bad music. Satan counterfeited it. Husband and wife relationship, Satan counterfeited it. He tries to do this all the time in our lives. 
I want you to turn to one portion of Scripture and we'll be done. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to look at about three verses and we'll be done. We can conclude then that the incarnate Son of God was fully God and fully man. We don't have to understand it all the way. We just have to believe it. We don't understand everything and we're never going to understand all about God and all about Christ until we get to heaven. It is our responsibility to show faith in what the Bible says. And so I want you to look at these verses and I want you to see these. Write these down on your notes. It says Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And then we're going to read them. These are very important verses when it talks about Christ. It says in Colossians chapter 2, watch it. If you've got it in your Bible, here's what it says. Beware. Now, when I think of that word beware, I think of this little black sign with, I think it's orange or red letters. And what does it say if you walk up to somebody's house? Beware of dog. Now, if you were to go to the gardener's house, their little dog's about this big. Do you have signs beware of dog? Because you could step on it. Don't do it. But it's a small dog. But when I've, I've looked into fences and I've seen beware of dog and it's a Rottweiler or it's a German Shepherd, I'm going to stay away from it. You need to stay away from it. It says in this, it says that word beware lest any man spoil you through what? Philosophy. Wow, there's a lot of that. There, there's a segment all in the United States about just philosophy. It's man's philosophy and then they put b- biblical principles to try to match up with it. What we've got to do is do b- biblical principles then figure out what our philosophies are through that. And I won't make people happy with if I started naming names of people that do this. Sometimes they take man's philosophy and say it's God, it's not. And here he's warning us of that. He says, listen, through philosophy and vain deceit, people lying to you. Through the traditions of men. Well, we've always done that. <laughs> so what? I've got, a, I've got a book in my office. It's called Banana Thinking. It talks about thinking outside the box. You know why it's called banana thinking? How many of you ever saw a monkey um, peel a banana? Do you know what a monkey does when peels a banana? He peels it backwards. He peels it from the bottom side. But man, we've always done it from the top side. We sometimes get wrapped up in this vain thinking that we've always done it this way. Well, I want you to try to teach a monkey to do it the other way. You can't do it. We get these vain, vain traditions, and he says, listen, traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, he says they're basing it on the world. And look at those last four words. And not after Christ. See, the whole thing is we've got to think like Christ. We don't need to think like our neighbors. We don't need to think like our rulers. We need to think like Christ. Then watch this. For in Him... This shows you the Trinity. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You understand what that's saying? That Jesus took the form of flesh, but He was still God. Who wrote this? I think one of the best Christians to ever live other other than Jesus Himself wrote this. Paul wrote it. He, wrote, he writes to the church in Colossae and he says, listen, he says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We can't take away from him. He is who he is. 
from the beginning of time and further from the end of time and further. That's who he was. And he came down with flesh. Now watch this in verse number 10 and we'll end it with this. And ye are complete in him. Praise the Lord. There's nothing that we have to do. Thank God we don't have to, we don't have to sacrifice. A baptism is a form of following what Jesus says, but baptism won't get you there. Jesus is the only thing. He completed everything. And he's got to be your completion. And it says this, it says, which is the head of all principality and power. You know who put, what that puts under? That puts all the angels down. That puts Satan himself under him. He can't do anything that Jesus doesn't want him to do. You say, why is this important? Because we have to realize that Jesus always was. We have to realize that he was shown in the Old Testament. And we have to realize that he was shown in the New Testament. Isn't it amazing that this book intertwines so many different aspects, doctrines throughout the whole thing, and they never contradict? When my wife wrote her book, we had to have numerous proofreaders on it. Some for thought process, some for grammar content. And, and we would look at it, and she would look at it so many times, and, we'd, and then we'd find an error. I don't know about you, but when I read articles, I, was watching, I read a Fox News thing the other day, and I, when I read it, I thought, they spelled that word wrong. That word was spelled wrong. But there's nothing wrong with this. If you want to know about Jesus, you know what you read? Genesis through Revelation, because he was always there. He was found in flesh in, in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but he was foretold he was going to be of the flesh in the Old Testament. Over 500 people saw him after he, he, he was crucified and rose again. It's great to have a Savior that's alive and that always was the great I Am.